starting my timer over because I don't think announcements should come out of my time. I, I get 22 minutes, fastest 22 minutes in my life. It's funny, for a, for a perspective change, we did a car wash yesterday, which takes two hours, longest two hours. <laughs> and it's fun, don't get me wrong, but the cars started streaming in and we were washing them and everything was going good and we washed all of them, we washed like 30 cars yesterday, but there was a big stream in the beginning, like this is so cool, it's got to be like 11.15, it was like 10.22, I'm like, ah. Perspective. Because this might seem like the longest 22 minutes of your week. I don't know. <laughs> it's all good. So we're talking about, uh, this series is called Now and Forever. And what I'm talking about is this amazing life that we have in Christ. And we're, we're digging in uh, to these ideas uh, about, you know, Jesus came so that we can have full and abundant life. The enemy's trying to steal it from us, so we need to be aware of what's happening. Developing some spiritual habits and having a, a solid understanding of this life. And so we spent the last six weeks or so uh, really uh, digging into um, a passage where Jesus asked what the most important thing is to love God all in, heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. So we, we did that first part. And over the last couple of weeks, talking about loving God, loving others. Because it's really in that that we begin to find this life that he has for us. And so I want to expand on that today and over the next couple of weeks. So that's where we're headed. That's the intro. Transition, always a bad joke or two. These are particularly bad. A weasel walks into a bar. The bartender looks up and says, wow, in all my years tending bar, I've never had a weasel stop by. Well, what can I get you? Pop, goes the weasel. I was going to tell you a time-traveling joke, but you guys didn't like it. Okay, so what we're doing right now is, is we're, we're looking at how to live a fulfilled life through intentionally pouring ourselves into others through the church. That We've been building up to that over the last couple of weeks and how that fits together. And so I want to talk some more today about how we do it. And then over the next couple of weeks, the next week and the following week, I'm going to talk about why a little bit. But today, let's just talk a little bit about the how. Scripture reading is Philippians 2. I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 16. It's a little long, but Paul is a little long-winded, so bear with me as I read through it. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So I want to dig into that today. Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, is writing to a church. Uh, he's writing to the church in Philippi, uh, and so he's writing to that church a specific time in a specific place. When you read the Bible, you need to know that, that you have to understand it. That gives you context for what's happening. So he's writing to the Philippian church at that point in time this, this passage of things that he wants them to do. So he's writing to them. He's writing for us. So you need to understand the Bible that way. So, so it's for us, but he was writing, the, the Bible is written under the inspiration of the Spirit, two specific things at times. So we need to understand that so we know how to appropriately apply it into our own lives and into the church today. And so what's going on with the Philippians when this is written? We're going to talk about that together. So first, point number one is, uh, is that Paul is saying you need to put others before yourself. That just echoes the message of Jesus uh, and what we're talking about in this whole thing, that real life is found when we figure out it's God first, and then, then in our lives we're, we're moving for him, and part of that is reaching out and caring about others. And, and there's, it's such an amazing thing when we figure that out in the kingdom. See, this week, and we'll, we'll really dig into this next week, the issue that we struggle with, all of us, is that we tend to put ourselves first in everything. We, we get ourselves into the center of the story, and then the story revolves around us. And it, so it impacts the way that we look at everything and everybody. What does this mean to me? How does this affect me? Well, as long as you're at the center of your own story, you will never experience full and abundant life. You just won't. You can't. You're, you're, not, you're taking on things that aren't yours to take on, and everything is impacting you generally in a pretty negative way. So what we realize is that he's the center of the story and that we find life revolving around him. That's this full and abundant life. But that's our issue is that from the beginning, we'll talk about that, we, we keep putting ourselves back in there. It's kind of our nature to get that process. And so Paul is saying, listen, just like Jesus said, you need to make sure that you're not letting that happen. And, and so let me read you the first four verses again. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That's one of those, I, I hate to skip over a verse, like that's a tough verse, right? Do nothing out of So you read that, you go, hmm, that's tough. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interests of others. So what Paul's saying here is he's talking to the Philippian church, and he says, listen, since you guys have come to know the Lord, you've, you've come to know Jesus, you, you, you found life in him, and, and since that's happened, and, and now you, you have a Holy Spirit, you're enjoying the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the encouragement of the Holy Spirit who's dwelling in you, and so if those things are going on, he said, listen, what I want to see spring out of that so that you can experience life is that you really are putting your, your, you know, into others in your life. You care about them. You're putting others before yourself. Because that's at the foundation of this now and forever life that we experience 
is that understanding. It's the idea of loving others, and that's where we have abundant life. And, and, and he goes on and he says, listen, it's what I want uh, for the church is I want you to have the attitude of Christ, to, to, to understand, to look like and see things the way Jesus did and to move into situations like that. The, and the attitude, that word there in the Greek, it means to be uh, basically have the same mind as Christ. And then Paul describes it for us. That's what takes place in those next verses beginning at verse 5. Your attitude, your mind set should be the same as that of Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, and being a found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus, and I say this often, he's our model for life and ministry. So what does he demonstrate? What's his attitude? Well, it's one of serving. Uh, so, so, you know, understand Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, everything's uh, going on with them, and yet something is missing around the throne, and that's you. And you're missing because you've chosen to go in your own way. That me first thing that I sort of talked about has, has separated us all from um, our relationship with God. Because God is perfect, and once we go our own way and start doing our own thing, we're not. We've sinned. Huge problem exists. We're, we're separated from the perfection of God. No matter how hard we try or work, we can't be perfect in. You can't get back to perfect. You can be a good person. I hope you are, but not perfect. So God makes a way. Jesus comes, fully God, fully man. He enters the scene. He lives the perfect life that we couldn't live. And then he willingly goes to the cross on our behalf where he exchanges his life for ours. He sheds his blood to pay for our sin. He dies, and then he defeats death, and he rises again. Amazing good news. What happens at that point for all of us who choose to believe is God then sees us in the perfection of his son. We are reconciled to God. We have an opportunity for relationship. And that was Jesus' attitude, and that's what he did. He, he came to serve. And so, you know, so he, he, he is the center of the story. He willingly takes him out self out of the center of the story, and then God exalts him, puts him back in there because he's the center of the story. But he's modeling for us the way that we experience life is to have this attitude of a servant. That's where we find life. Then he goes on, Paul says this, and this is a, a good thing to talk about, point number two, you're to work out your salvation. Let me read the verses for you, 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Now, a lot of people might struggle with that verse, so I, I want to just talk about it and sort of go after it together so we understand it in the context of what's going on. First off, in verse 12, there's a therefore. Whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you need to figure out what it's. Thank you so much. Just a few things I want you to have <laughs> in, in, your, in your deal. That's one of them. You read a therefore. Oh, oh, there's a therefore. I'm supposed to figure out what it's there for. What's it there for? Everything that he had just talked about previously, based on the whole idea of having the, the attitude of Christ, the mind of Christ. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look like Jesus. I want you to live like Jesus. And so he's there for my friends, just as you've always obeyed. That, that word could be listened He's really saying to his friend, look, just like you've always listened, you listened to me when I came to Philippi and you came to know Christ, 
And now that I'm gone, I know I'm in prison, but I want you to listen to me now because I want you to experience the fullness of this life that's available to you. And, and, and I want this whole thing to sort of process through you and the church together. And so he says this, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, he doesn't say work for your salvation, so let's make sure we, we're not hearing that. You don't work for your salvation. Salvation is a gift freely given from Jesus. He did all the work. I talked about that at the cross. He made it possible. Our whole part in that is just receiving what happened by faith. That's what he does. So we're not working for our salvation, but we, we are to be working it out. And, and there's something significant in there. That word your is plural. He's talking to the church still. He says, listen, as the church, as you guys getting together, what I want you to do is collectively I want you to walk out this amazing life that, that revolves around the salvation that you have in Christ. You've come to know Jesus. Here's what it looks like. And, and then he adds his fear and trembling, so I want to get to that too. So, salvation, though, um, is a, it's a fascinating concept, and sometimes where people struggle with it, because it's a really big deal. You want to you know that you, uh, you've got that part figured out. In, in the Greek, salvation is written about in three tenses. And where we struggle sometimes, our language doesn't hold the tenses very well. So, in the, in the New Testament, in the Bible, it, it says that we, there's verses that say that we've been saved, like the... the Philippian jailer says, you know, what do I have to do to be saved? And Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. But in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, Paul says, for those of us who are being saved, the preaching of the cross is power to us. And then there's verses that talk about the idea that, that there's a future sort of idea of salvation. So, so there's tenses. So there's, there's, there's past, we've been saved. There's present, we're being saved. And there's future, we will be saved. There's three words that you should know that I keep going back to. As believers, you should know these three words that describe salvation if you understand it. So the idea that we've been saved. When we come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we're saved. And, and, and that's the amazing thing that starts this journey. Well, the word that goes with that is justified. You're justified at that point, which I like to remember it this way, just as if I'd never sinned. Now, you and I know that's not true, but what happens when we come to know Jesus because of what he's done for us, God chooses to see us in the perfection of his son just as if we'd never sinned. So our relationship with God once we're saved is completely different. And the reason it's important that you know that is it changes everything and it really stops the enemy from beating you up with a whole lot of stuff. Because God chooses to see me in the perfection of son. I'm justified because of what Jesus, just as if I'd never messed up, he's with me. Now, we're being saved, and that has to do with the idea of sanctification. That's the word there, sanctification. So when you come to Christ, and, and, and that happens, another thing that happens is you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit uh, comes, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's now dwelling in us. And what the Holy Spirit is doing is he's leading us in this life, helping us to continue to grow to be more like Jesus. So even though God is already seeing us like that, the Holy Spirit is helping us on this journey, which is really important. 32 years in now, I've still got a long way to go. You can check with my bride at any time about that. But all of us have a long way to go. And, and so we yield to the Holy Spirit, and He leads us through. This is the process of sanctification. That process continues until we're face-to-face -face with Jesus. Either we've gone to be with Him, or He's come to be with us, and at that point in time, we're glorified. So, so we're, we're saved, we're being saved, we will be saved. That's his whole process. And so it's a process of life, of this life that we're called to. And what Paul's saying is, as the church, I want you to walk this thing out in the world in a way that makes a difference. 
with fear and trembling. Now, people get shook up by that sometimes, but fear and trembling is, is a, it's like an idiom. An idiom is a, is a phrase that if you're part of a group, you understand. So like if I were to say to you uh, that right now I'm hungry, as a, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse, you know that idiom? You would know what that means is I'm just really hungry, right? I'm not going to go eat a horse, I promise. But you know that, so I don't have to make it specific. So, so that's an idiom. Well, this idea of, of walking this thing out with fear and trembling, it's, it, it, they would have understood that to mean what you do is, as the church, you're walking this together, this amazing life, and what it means to, to be you know, saved, and, and that you're being saved, and you will be saved, and you're taking that into the world around you with a healthy respect for God and His majesty, and with a healthy respect for the people that we're called to reach out to. And that we're walking that whole process is what he's calling the church to. And then he says this, it's a great, for, for it is God who works in you, uh, who is at work in you, and that among you really is better because it's plural again there. It's God who's at work among you uh, in the process, and, and, and he's enabling you, um, plural, to both to will and to work for his good pleasure. What that means is God is empowering you. He's at work among you, and you just need to be aware of the fact that he's, a, he's a, in you and, and among you in order to make a difference uh, and for his good pleasure. And his good pleasure is, is uh, he wants to see you enjoying the fullness of life. That's his good pleasure. And he wants to see people being impacted by his kingdom, uh, and so they're brought out of darkness to, to light. All right? So all that's happening, and that's what Paul is saying. I, I, I just want the church to understand the importance of that because I want you all to experience life, and that that life that you're experiencing then would impact the world around you in a way that they'd be drawn in to that life as well. So what do we do? Three. Well, he, he tells them basically, just do it. Go, go and be the church. Verse 14, little tricky verse. Do everything without complaining or arguing. It's another one of those rats moments. Rats. I read it that way. Everything, those everything and nothing words are huge. Everything without complaining or arguing. Uh-oh. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast in the day of Christ that I did not run the labor of nothing. So, um, do all things, he says, without murmuring and arguing. Now, this is this is important, and I just hold it in context for a minute, because right after that, there's a so that, so that, so that is it is important to see the so that as it is important to see the therefore in the scripture, so you don't skip over it. So that, and in effect, what he's saying, uh, a so that is um, he's telling you why not to do what he just told you to do, in order to make sense of why he doesn't want you to do that. Did that make sense? No. The whole do nothing without arguing and complaining. Why did he just tell us to do that? Do everything without arguing. Okay, so here's why. Here's the so that. Now, so that uh, you may be blameless and pure. What does it mean to be blameless and pure? Is he talking about before God? Well, no, because we know that we're justified. We're already blameless and pure before God because of what Jesus has done. So that's not the issue. And then he says, he goes on, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, where? In a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. He, he, he says this, the church, 
needs to be the church. We need to come in and do this stuff together, walking along side by side, not picking on one another and pointing out everybody's mess, and, but, but loving one another well so that the world gets a, an effective witness of what this amazing life looks like so they're drawn into it. And he says, I want you to go and do this thing the way that Jesus did. If you get stuck arguing and complaining about everything and not being the church, the world is the big loser because they're, they're not being impacted with the message. And so he's, that's the process. This is what I've called you to. Uh, the world needs to see what God can do. And he's going to use us to do it. So what do we do? Well, little letter A, I know it's just like go and do. You just, sometimes we just need to go and do stuff. It's pretty much that simple. We'll go and do something simple or easy or whatever, whatever he calls us to. If it works, we give God praise. That's B. Well, that worked. That was good. That's because it was a God thing. If it doesn't work or if it fails, that's C. We'll let God give you grace. And that's important to note because, see, we've done some stuff that works really well, and we've done some stuff that just failed miserably. And uh, we have to let God give us grace because if you fail sometimes, and you, well, that would stop you from continuing to do it. And, and what you need to do is just take grace and go back to A and do something else. And you say, well, what kind of thing? Listen, you know, we, we give away, somebody stopped me in Winn-Dixie Monday. And she said this to me. She said, listen, I just wanted you to know, we've been coming to your church for three years. We come every winter. We look forward to it, highlight of our trip. And when we're not here, we watch it online. And she said, uh, changed our lives. Not, I'm not making it up. Uh, changed our lives. And I understand what she's talking about. Relationship with Jesus is life changing. Um, but she says, you know why we started coming? No. We walked out of a store here on the island. And somebody handed me a little baggie with a couple of Hershey's Kisses in it. That's it, with a little card from the church. We go out and do that sometimes. People wonder, why in the world would you go do that? Why was the church doing that? I, I, I only need one story like that to make that a forever winner. You know what I mean? I'm like, I, I heard that. You know, I just heard it, and I wanted to like, okay, everybody gets candy every time they come in. Now go give this away. But we plan that. We give away ice cream. We do all those things. We did a car wash yesterday where we hand people dollar. People, why would the church do that? Wouldn't that doesn't seem like a very churchy thing? When... When Fran was pulling in the sign from the car wash yesterday, somebody driving by honked the horn and yelled out the window as loud as they could, the vineyard is awesome! <laughs> Fran came and tell me, I'm like, yes! Because that's you guys, you get it? You're, that's weird. People see that, I mean, I know it's him who, who they're getting, but it's because we're doing those things. And, and you do those things, Paul says, so you shine like stars in the universe. See, the, the, the world, it's, it needs to see the light of Jesus. And I, as your pastor, I want you to shine. I want you to shine in your workplace. I want you to shine in the community. I want you to shine in your families. I just want that light to shine through you. You know, shining like stars in the universe. My, my wife, I, you know, I love the way that she is with our grandkids and how she shines in them. We have seven grandkids. I know I look way too young for that. But anyway. And they're all like, I think the oldest, I think he's eight now. Eight, seven or eight, and they're down under that. They're all younger than that. And she's amazing with them because they tire me out. I, you know, I don't know how. Anyway, so I'm like five minutes. I'm, wow, my back hurts. Um, I haven't lifted any of them yet. My back just hurts thinking about them. So anyway, she pours into them, and I love to see it. You know, I'm like, that's so cool. She's just shining into their little lives. And so one of my grandsons, Stevie, um, so our grandkids, so there's two sets of grandparents. And, and I, we sort of have an English background, English-Irish, so we like to be Nana and Granddad. That's how we have the kids call us that. And then the other side can be Grandma and Grandpa, so that the kids kind of have a understanding of the different side. 
So we're Nana and Granddad, go along just fine. But but Nana here, because she's shining into him all the time. So my my grandson Stevie, he like he calls her Nana. And then the other day, so I, I should be Granddad. Granddad, I kind of think has a nice ring to it. Granddad, right? Well, that's fine well, like that. So it, she's Nana, and I'm Nan Dad. Which doesn't work as well for me. <laughs> Nan, Dad. But I totally get it. See, but I just want you to shine. Because the world needs us to be out there shining for Jesus, okay? So think about that this week and how that applies to you. And then next week I'm going to pick up the story and we're going to talk about some of the why. But I've gone long again, so I'm going to stop it there. Ministry team, those of you here, why don't you head over the wall? People on the way over there are here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, they'll make sure you get it. Let me pray for you.